Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, July 7th, and this is your FT News Briefing. A new EU report will add pressure to withhold funds from Hungary. The Pentagon just canceled a massive contract with Microsoft, and a feud between Saudi Arabia and the UAE is rattling oil markets. But first, the biggest Chinese IPO in years has turned into a giant mess. What are bankers saying about Didi Chuxing, and what's next for Chinese tech companies that want to list in the U.S.? I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Who knew what and when? Those are the questions swirling around the mess that is the listing of Chinese company Didi Chuxing. The huge ride-hailing company went public on the New York Stock Exchange last week, and right after, Chinese officials removed the app from Chinese online stores. They said the company had violated privacy laws, and the move crushed Didi's stock price on Tuesday. By the end of trade, it was down about 20%. The FT's Joshua Franklin told me that bankers he spoke to say they were blindsided. They're dejected by this, really. I mean, this really was an enormous deal, one of the biggest IPOs of the year, one of the biggest uh, foreign IPOs of all time in New York. So it really should be, um, you know, a banner transaction to work on. And for it to um, turn so sour so quickly, they're still wrapping their heads around it. And now, you know, they'll be braced for for potential litigation that might come out of this and just a lot of work that uh, of looking into how this happened. Uh, from what I've heard from people who worked on the deal and what we've reported, they did their normal due diligence on, on transactions and were comfortable underwriting the deal. But obviously that, that didn't stop the deal from unraveling as, as quickly as it did. But Josh, you know, there, there were concerns about regulatory issues even before the IPO, you know, concerns that Chinese regulators could create some headwinds. Didn't the banks take that into account? Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why you saw uh, Diddy's valuation come in where it did, you know, just shy of $70 billion at the time of its IPO last week. There had been some chatter beforehand that it might be um, as high as $100 billion, but it, from some reporting that was, was done, it looked like there was some pushback from investors thinking that the regulatory uncertainty meant that $100 billion was a little bit high, so they, they settled on, on something a little bit lower. So clearly, there was a concern and a factor around the regulatory issues around um, Didi and the ride-hailing industry, but certainly the scale of, of what's happened was very unexpected. So what could this mean for, for other Chinese companies that want to list in the U.S.? Yeah, it's going to be one of the big stories to come out of this is what the fallout is for Chinese companies going public. It's been a real kind of on and off relationship, the, the backstory of Chinese companies going public in New York. There was a, a period coming out of the financial crisis where a lot of the, the growth was seen in China and you had a lot of Chinese companies going public through reverse mergers in New York. But then a lot of those kind of blew up and went out of business and Chinese IPOs were kind of outlawed on, on Wall Street. But then they came back in a big way with Alibaba in 2014. And really that growth has just continued from there in the last kind of five, six years. We've just seen more and more Chinese companies looking to go public in the United States. And now with, uh, with what's happening with Didi, it really remains to be seen whether or not that trajectory is going to continue or whether or not now the biggest Chinese companies will be scared off from, from going public in the United States. So Josh, there are a lot of unhappy people right now. Uh, the bankers, of course, uh, and then there are Didi's biggest investors like SoftBank. SoftBank's shares tanked as well on this whole thing. So uh, who, in your opinion, is the biggest loser from all this? 
so far, I, I would have to say the company itself. I mean, uh, it really has kind of stepped on a lot of the momentum that it was able to, to generate out of an IPO. You know, an IPO really is a, a jumping off point for a company. It's not an end point. It's really the, the next phase of its, of its growth and of its corporate story. And to have its momentum checked as quickly as this is, is a big setback for the company. Joshua Franklin is the FT's U.S. banking editor. In the EU, calls to withhold funds from Hungary will likely grow louder. There's a report due out today that says that the government of Prime Minister Viktor Orban is failing to ensure transparent use of the funds as well as their independent oversight. A group of EU lawmakers commissioned the report, which also cites Budapest's inadequate judicial independence. The report comes as the commission is facing increasing pressure to act against Budapest. A spokesperson for Hungary's government had no immediate comment. Oil prices are soaring because of a dispute among producers. OPEC and other oil producers abandoned a meeting earlier this week because they couldn't come to an agreement over increasing production. That led oil prices jumping to their highest level in at least three years. Now, at the heart of this is a feud between Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. They can't agree over increasing production. But the FT Simeon Kerr says there are deeper tensions between the two oil producers who once had the strongest alliance in the Middle East. It started in 2019 when the UAE pulled its forces out of Yemen, leaving Saudi Arabia on its own. Since then, we've seen the embargo against Qatar ended, but that was very much a process led by Saudi Arabia. And then, of course, we've seen the UAE sign a normalization deal with Israel ahead of Saudi Arabia, which has raised some eyebrows. And most recently, we've seen a concerted campaign from the Saudis to try and lure multinationals away from the UAE, particularly Dubai, saying that they've got to go and move to Riyadh or they'll lose out on big government contracts. It's certainly been a dramatic change from, you know, the close bromance that there was between Mohammed bin Salman and Saudi Arabia and Mohammed bin Zayed of Abu Dhabi just a few years ago. I, I like that. We don't often you know, hear about bromances and stories about OPEC. Um, but I want to ask about uh, whether these two, uh, Saudi Arabia and UAE, can they be considered equals? Well, Saudi Arabia is by far the larger economy and traditional powerhouse in the region. But what we've seen in the last couple of decades is the United Arab Emirates, because of a more productive economy and because of a concerted investment in effective military equipment and training, they've really transformed their military to the extent where Americans you know, famously dubbed it Little Sparta. So, you know, it, it does have influence and it is very, very close to America and Britain and other Western allies. So, Simeon, there's talk that the UAE could even withdraw from OPEC in order to maximize production. And that would be pretty huge because uh, the UAE has been an OPEC member for more than half a century. Um, could the UAE go it alone without OPEC? Well, this is the big question. I think it's probably a bit too soon now, but there is this growing consensus that they do need to invest heavily in their postal future, and that can only be done outside of OPEC. It would be a massive shock if they were to do that. Uh, the UAE has traditionally tried to be a very multilateral organisation, but maybe new realities are starting, and Maybe not now, but surely sometime in the future that the, the decision may come. Simeon Kerr is the FT's Gulf business correspondent.
And finally, the U.S. Department of Defense has pulled the plug on a $10 billion computing contract awarded to Microsoft. Yesterday, the Pentagon said it was reversing its decision to hand over large parts of its data and communications to a single company. The Pentagon offered Microsoft the sensitive JEDI contract back in 2019. Now, shortly after it offered Microsoft the contract, Amazon, which had also put in a bid, sued. It accused then-President Donald Trump of interfering in the process because of hostility towards Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. The Pentagon said it would start a new procurement process and seek proposals from Amazon and Microsoft and possibly other companies as well. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.